Second Timothy chapter two, verse one. I'm going to read these verses out of the New King James Version. It says, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that we can come together and hear your word and partake. And Lord, what it is that you have for us today, Father, I just pray that you would help me. I pray that this word would be planted in, in fertile ground. It would produce fruit, lasting fruit, as Pastor Todd talked about last week, that it would produce lasting fruit, Lord God. Fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold, Lord, continue to help me. Lord, I can't do this on my own, nor do I want to. I need your help, Lord. I pray that you would help us all to uh, implement this into our lives as we move forward today and the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, we have been in our series, Disciple the Domino Effect, and we will continue that series this morning. We see here in these few verses of Scripture, a couple verses of Scripture I just read, we see Four generations of disciples here. We see Paul telling Timothy, which was his son, his son, his disciple in the Lord, to uh, commit uh, the, the things that he's learned from Paul to, to faithful men. That's the third generation there. And then those faithful men were to continue on to others, to other. And that's at least four. And if he, if, if those continue to take the gospel, that it continues to go on and on or continues to disciple. So we just see here in these two verses how Four generations, just really quick, you know, of discipleship continues to go on. You know, Jesus established a pattern that the 12 apostles and Paul continued for the preservation and transmission of the gospel. It's the pattern of biblical discipleship. And biblical discipleship is reproduction. Amen? Biblical discipleship is reproduction. The first command given to humankind, Genesis 128, is to be fruitful and multiply, right? So it's to be fruitful. And part of fruitfulness, a big part, is multiplication. It's multiplying yourself. We see that we are we are all created to, to reproduce. First physically and then spiritually. Amen? We were born uh, uh, naturally, in the natural, to be able to reproduce physically. And then we were born again to reproduce spiritually. We see here Paul charging Timothy in verse 2 to keep on reproducing and we are charged to do the same. I'm here to tell you this morning that you were born to reproduce. You were born to reproduce is the name of our message today. I want to look at a few things in these two verses of scripture we just read that'll, that'll help you to understand how to reproduce through discipleship. I know in the last six weeks or five weeks before this, uh, we, we've been talking about both, about being a disciple and, and, and how important it is for us as individuals to be disciples, that it's not Jesus didn't just say go into the world and make converts. He said go into the world and make disciples. So Pastor Todd has been looking and, and, and uh, Miss Tanya yeah, last week looked at we looked at both sides of it, being a disciple and then also discipling. Today, I'm really honing in on us as being disciplers, as our job as born again believers to to, to disciple others, to pour our lives into others. And I want to look at just from these two verses of scriptures, uh, a few things here that will help us once again to understand how to disciple others. Number one is that we must depend on God's grace to reproduce. We must depend on God's grace to reproduce. Now, I want to spend some time on this this morning because I think a lot of times in the church, 
we uh, Christians misunderstand the word grace. We look at grace in just one way. We think of grace as uh, as as only being, you know, uh, grace pertaining to our the forgiveness of our sins. And that is true. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. We understand that God has poured out his grace upon us, uh, undeserved favor, something that we don't deserve. He's given us salvation and he forgave us for, uh, of our sins through grace. And that is what the word means. But the word here means something totally different. And oftentimes the few scriptures I'm going to give you throughout the New Testament it, it has a different meaning to it. And that's what's important about studying. A disciple, one of the things Pastor Todd talked about, a disciple studies and not only reads the words, but studies and finds out, like, what does that word grace mean? The word grace here is the Greek word charis, charis, which we get later the word charisma, which is, which is giftings. It's a, it, charis is the empowerment, God's empowerment. God's empowerment to go beyond your own natural ability. Come on, I should have got more than just one amen there. How many of y'all would like grace, God's empowerment in your life to go beyond your own natural ability? That's why he starts out with telling Timothy before he tells him anything else. He says, Timothy, be strong in the grace of God and our Lord Jesus. Then he goes on to charge him to start reproducing himself. He says, Timothy, be strong in the grace. And then these things I've given you in trust are, are commit to faithful men. It's the empowerment God's empowerment, it gives us the ability to go behind your own natural ability. Listen, when you're walking in grace to do anything for the Lord, whether it's discipling or anything, getting up in front of people and speaking, whatever it might be, you know what? It takes the pressure off of you when you're walking in grace. Amen? You still feel that pressure sometimes. But you know what? Listen, if the last five weeks, and even this morning as I'm starting out with this, if you've been feeling the pressure to disciple somebody, if you've been feeling like, oh, man, this is going to be hard. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I've never really discipled somebody. I've tried and I've failed miserably. I can't. If you've been feeling that way, you've been thinking in the natural realm and you've been operating in your own natural ability, in the realm of your own natural ability and not in the realm of grace. That's why it's so important that we look at this word grace and understand what it means. Just like me, actually me and my mom were talking about this yesterday. Like that word grace, you know, sometimes there's, there's people that have taken that word grace and Paul's warned us uh, in the scriptures not to, use, to, to take the word grace because we are forgiven of our sins through grace. That that gives us a license to do whatever we want to do. Because you know what, brother, it's all under grace now. You got to be careful. There's books out there that talk about that. Oh, you can pretty much do what you want because it's under grace. No, you know what? That word grace is the empowerment to live a holy life. Grace gives you the power to stand against such, stand against such evils, Paul says. So grace is an empowering in our lives. And that's what, that's what's exciting about it. Listen, you know, step out in obedience and faith and watch the Lord work. When we talk about discipleship, you know what? God is going to give you the grace to do it. He's not going to command you to do something and leave it up to you to go do it by yourself. Once again, that's why Paul encourages Timothy, be strong in the grace. Look, God, he's telling him, God has given you this grace. He's given you the power, the empowerment, the anointing to do this. So go ahead and do it because you're empowered by almighty God to do it. Think about it like this. We're talking about reproduction this morning, spiritual reproduction. Talk about you know, we, we are created to reproduce naturally. Okay, so we, we have a part in that, obviously, just like discipleship. There, there's, we have to do our part. But let's go back. Let's go to natural reproduction. 
we, we, we obviously have a part in, in, in making babies and reproducing humankind. We have our part. Once the baby is conceived, you know, the mom still has to do some things to take care of the baby and to eat right and to take care of her body and all that kind of stuff. But, but speaking of being precious and stuff, does the mom, you moms out there, or even dads, did you have to get up every single day and say, mm, man, I got to make sure that those toes start growing today. Man, I, man, I, okay, and then next week, let me put my planner tomorrow, I got to really make sure that I eat the right amount of vegetables so the eyes can oh, start opening up and the eyes and the lungs develop. Any of you moms ever did that? No. Why? Because a baby being formed in the womb is, only comes from the supernatural power of God. Yes, we have our part. Obviously, like I said, we have our part to do to get the baby in there and to take care of the baby even while it's in there. Like I said, the mom has to eat stuff. But we don't have the pressure of, of, of forming and creating this baby in every sense of the word. And eyes and toes, that's, that's even, that. I mean, it's a miracle. But like they say, one strain of DNA has more information on it than all the computers in the world put together. Think about that. I can't even wrap my brain around that. But that's that's God's job. Why? Because God, he, we, we have a part in it, in reproduction, but really the, the whole main gist of reproduction naturally and spiritually is the empowerment of God and his miraculous power and ability to create a baby, to take a baby and to form that baby, to grow them up in the womb and in the church and spiritually. Amen? So it takes the pressure off of us. It goes back to being a willing vessel that, listen, what we've been talking about for weeks now I can disciple someone else because God has given me the supernatural ability to do it. Amen. Second Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12 says this. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of the Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. See it again there? He says, God will enable you and give you the power to accomplish it. Once again, there's the connection between grace and empowerment. God will give you the, 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 the ability, the power to accomplish everything your faith prompts you to do. It's through grace. This is all possible because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gra- His grace gives us the power to disciple effectively. It gives us the power to disciple effectively. You know, and, and as Paul says, and we see here, grace gives us the strength when we're tired and just want to give up. Come on, even though, you know, that God gives us the supernatural ability, we, we all get tired, right? Some of y'all are tired right now. And I'd probably be getting more amens if you wasn't so tired. No, I don't know, maybe not. But we all get tired. We live in a natural body, right? We all get tired. You get to the end of the week. You get to the end of the day. You get to the end of the month. You get to the end of the year. And you're just like, oh, praise God. The holidays are here. I'm off for a few days, whatever. You know, we all get tired. And that's another reason why the Lord says, listen, or Paul says, be strong in the grace of our Lord. He gives us natural strength, too. There's been so many times since I've been a believer, leader, pastor, doesn't matter. Even before I had, when I was, I was, I was walking with people that I, man, I, I was tired before I knew I had a meeting with somebody that I was walking with, maybe a life group, a one-on-one meeting, a, a time where I was ministering. And so many times I've been tired and been like, Oh Lord, this is, how am I going to do this? I'm like, I'll be yawning tonight while I'm, while I'm speaking. Every single time y'all, God's given me the strength 
and the words right when I need them. It just happened again recently, just a, a couple of weeks ago. Matter of fact, the night for ladies' night, I was thinking about this. For ladies' night, I had a few young guys, a few college-age guys over at the house on that Friday night. And my son had football practice at 6 to 7.30. So I didn't even have the guys over to my house. They didn't even show up till 8 o'clock and a little later. Now, I don't know about y'all. I'm not college age anymore, so those guys do that all the time. So I'm not college age anymore. I ain't saying I'm old, so don't even say go there. But I'm not college age anymore, so by 8 o'clock, usually I'm starting to kind of wind things down. And so they were just getting to the house. And look, I was at Joe's practice, and I was yawning. I helped coach his team, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help 7- and 8-year-olds play flag football and coaching them up. And I remember being in practice and yawning and like, man, them guys are just coming over at 8. Like, Lord, help me. Like, let me just, I just want to be practical for a minute, okay? Just to kind of get where you, where you at. Because it's Friday night. It's the end of the week, right? You know, it's been, we've gone through the whole week and I'm at my son, but you know, it's amazing. Every time it happens, those guys show up, we sit down and the Lord had given me a word that morning, uh, to share with them. And so I shared that word with those guys. We prayed together. And don't you know, as soon as I opened my Bible and started sharing the word that the Lord had given me for them, I begin to wake up. I begin to get energized. And when we prayed one of the young men told me, he opened his eyes and he's like, man, I don't know if y'all felt that, but man, I felt the presence of God in here. Why? One word. Grace. Grace. God has empowered me to do that. That's the calling of my life. He's, he's placed these young men in my life to disciple them, to walk with them, to help them. It doesn't matter if it's 8 o'clock Monday morning or 8 o'clock Friday night. The same grace is available. Amen. All right, one more scripture just to drive this home. Acts 13.43 says, Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. As you disciple others, you must continue to rely on God's grace. Don't try to rely on your own strength. Don't try to muster up enough strength and, 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 and ability. Once again, you can't do it in your natural ability. Grace takes you beyond the ability of the natural realm and catapults you into doing what God has called. Because once again, discipling is a supernatural thing, just like being born again is. You know, God is using us. He uses the church. He uses his vessel to reproduce. Just like we know he can create a human being if he wants. I mean, he, he did it at the beginning. I mean, he did it. He started off with Jesus in the womb supernaturally. He had uh, Ezekiel prophesy to the Valley of Dry Bones, and they all stood up and become. I mean, God can do it. But, you know, on a day-to-day basis, he uses us to reproduce both naturally and spiritually. Amen? Depend on the grace of God to reproduce. Number two, number two, closeness is at the core of discipleship. Closeness is at the core of discipleship. Why am I talking about this? Because once again, just another key word in this scripture. Let's read 2 Timothy 2.2 again. It says, in the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What does that word commit really mean? Some translations in the New Living Translation, it says entrust. Some it says entrust. It says commit. So what does that word commit really mean? Well, I I looked it up, and as I started studying, that's why I came up with this point, or really it comes out of the Scripture, that closeness at the core. Because you see, this word is a compound of two Greek words that gives the picture of a close relationship. 
of a close relationship. It means to come close to someone in order to make some type of deposit, like a person who goes to the bank to make a deposit. Timothy understood Paul's instructions clearly. He knew exactly what Paul was talking about. He was to pick a group of people, come closely alongside of them, and deposit his life into them. This made it plain that this was something that could not be done from a distance. Uh, you can put a sub point in this and say, you can't disciple from a distance. Amen? You can't disciple from a distance. So from this verse, we see now to us, what do we need to do? Is that we need to choose some people who have proven themselves faithful, pull alongside of those people, get as close to them as you can, deposit everything you are and everything you know into them. So you get a lot when you start digging into the meaning of a word, that it means all of that stuff. <laughs> but it does. It does. You know, that's the, that's the essence of what Paul was telling Timothy. See, I've read over that scripture, and I've always, I love that scripture. This is actually one of my favorite scriptures, and we're going to get, the reason why is because of the last point about being faithful. And I've used it many, many times, talking about faithfulness and encouraging young leaders and about being faithful. But, you know, the key to that, is being close, is being in a close relationship. Discipleship cannot be done from a distance. For us parents out there, think about it. It's like parenting. The closer the relationship you have with your children, the more effective it's going to be when you try to correct them and teach them. Isn't that right? When you're not in a close relationship or a good relationship with your children and you try to correct them or you try to teach them something, they don't want to hear it. And I see, I see heads nodding on both ends of the table here, from the kid's side and from the parent's side. That's why it's so important to be in that close relationship, because when you begin to correct them and you begin to teach them, they understand that it's done out of love. They understand that. I'm, now, as little kids, it's hard. They don't understand. We all remember getting spanked. and like, I do this because I love you. It's like, no, you don't, you know. And, and I know it's, it's harder for the little ones to understand. But as you get older, now as an adult, I'm like, I do understand. And as you read the scripture, the scripture tells us that a parent that disciplines their child means that they love them. And it charges us if we don't, shows that we don't love them. You know, but that's part of discipline is part of it, but it, it can only be done through close relationship. Paul is, is making it clear here that, that you, you have to be, you have to pull alongside of someone. You have to get as close as you can and then make a deposit in their life. Just like you make a deposit in the bank. You can't make a deposit, well, I guess you can now with internet and everything. You say you can't make a deposit from the bank, in the bank from a distance, but I guess you can. See, that illustration didn't work in 2013 with smartphones and internet. So um, I didn't have it in my notes, maybe that's why. You know, if we're, if we're not in a close relationship with someone and we do try to teach them and correct them, the results can have a negative effect. Okay, now let me speak to the life group leaders here for a minute. Let me speak to the, the current life group leaders and anyone that is inspiring. And when we, you hear us do life group sign up, uh, that you maybe want to teach a life group one day. Life groups are great. Life groups are essential to what we do here at Family Life Church. Love God, grow people, and reach the world. Life, group, it, it, life groups are, are, are very, very um, uh, uh, important. And once again, just, just the essence of what we do and as part of discipleship. So let me make that clear and let me say that on the forefront. So it's great. If you're a life group leader, I commend you. We appreciate you. We couldn't do it on our own. We, we as pastors can't, you know, individually disciple this many people. So we appreciate what you do. But life group is not the all in all. 
Life group is not the all in all. And I'm going to just talk to you about a negative effect that it can have. I had, a, I had a person call me a couple of years ago, and we were talking. And this person began to confide in me and began to tell me that he was in a life group and that, that outside of the life group, whenever he would try to call his life group leader, they seemed to never have time for him. They never returned his calls. He would hear uh, that, that him and other life group members were going to do things together, but yet he was never invited. And if, as you can imagine, this person was deeply hurt. So you see, a life group is great. And he was going to the life group and he enjoyed the life group. But you know what? He wanted to be discipled. He wanted to be poured in. He needed someone to be available to him. And listen, I, when, when I say that, I know y'all starting to cringe already. Like, I'll oh, be available. I know we all have families. We all have lives. I understand that. But listen, y'all, the charge for us is to make disciples, not converts. Jesus didn't say go out into the world and start life groups. Once again, I'm not knocking it. Life groups are great. But listen, life group leader, it goes beyond your life group. You must come along someone and, and be available. If you have somebody, if you're willing to start a life group, that's great. We need you to do that. But also be willing to walk with that person further along, not just once or every other time a week. I remember hearing uh, uh, one of the leaders at another church we go to a conference uh, at, and he talked about that, too. He said he, he got the revelation of discipleship where he had some young men in his life group. He was a youth leader. And they would call him and have problems and need prayer. And he'd say, oh, man, hold it. Wait, just save it for Thursday night. Come Thursday night. We're going to pray for you Thursday night. We're gonna, and he said the Lord began to convict him and show him, like, that's not discipleship. Discipleship is not once a week or once every other week. So I just want to encourage you. Hopefully I didn't scare any potential life group leaders away by saying this. But church, this is the word of God. This is the truth of what it is. Think about Jesus if I need to go any further. Jesus walked with his 12. He ate with his 12. He lived with his 12. He's the model of the greatest disciple to ever walk the face of the earth. It wasn't a meeting once a week or once every other week. That's great. Once again, those life groups are great. If you teach a life group, awesome. God bless you. But that's what it is. You know, me and my wife had a privilege of actually taking a young person into our home uh, a couple of years ago uh, to, to live with us for about eight months. And you know what? That's the essence of discipleship right there. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. But when you have someone live with you and, and you, you see the outs and ends of them, they see the outs and ends of you. They see that you're not perfect. But you know what? I go back to, to say that a close relationship is out of love because, you know, this young person, when we would speak to them, and, and, and it was, it was, we felt, me and my wife felt the call. It was more than just giving this young person a place to live, but we felt that God had called us because they needed to see just the way that a, a healthy family operated and, and, um, and because they hadn't had that growing up and whatnot and that we just needed to take some, some time to further disciple them. And I remember them saying something key to me one time because, you know, uh, most of y'all know me personally know that I can be pretty straight up. I can be pretty black and white. And, and sometimes I would, I would need to be black and white with them and, 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 you know, they said they received that way as well. And they said, you know, and, and sometimes I'd go back and be like, look, I apologize if I was too hard, if I, you know. And they said, you know what, I can take it as long as I know it's done out of love. And they said, I know that y'all love me. And that's what discipleship is about. When you get close to someone and they truly know, not because you tell them, but because you show them that you love them. Because you take the time to pour into their lives, then effective discipleship can happen. Amen. Amen. So closeness is at the core of discipleship. Now let's look at this last part of this text. 
in verse 2, it says, commit, which we just went over, means to draw close, to get close, make a deposit, pour your life into someone. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let me stop before I go any further. As I, I say commit again, and, and I want to, another pressure you need to be released of. You don't have to be perfect to be a discipler. You don't have to have it all together to be a discipler. You know, I was talking to, to my buddy Robbie the other night, just like us preaching. I'm sure y'all know by now. I feel like, especially on Wednesday nights, I always got these ladies laughing at me because I'm always, I feel like it's confession time more than preaching time for me on Wednesdays. Because I'm always sharing my faults and my shortcomings. You know what? You don't have to be perfect. You just got to be willing. Because you know what? In discipling, people don't want a guru. They want someone they can relate to. They want somebody that can say, well, man, you're, you're real. And I understand. I, I see, you know, what you've gone through. I see you're a real person. And, you know, and that's what we wanted to show this young person, too, to just see how, you know, we're real people. You know, we, we, we do the same things you do in life. You know, but we love Jesus and we serve the Lord and we want to live holy lives. We're passionate about what we do, you know. So, so you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a guru. You don't have to know the Bible front to back, any of that kind of stuff. You just got to love people, be available, and be willing to draw close to them. Amen? So I just wanted to say that before I move on. So verse 2 says, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And this is why this is always one of my favorite scriptures because of this word faithful. You know, we already knew I already know that Timothy was faithful because of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.17. He says this. He says, for this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. So I'm going to go back. Remember, if you all of us should be disciples. So if you're and, and, and once again, in order to disciple someone, you have to be a disciple already. Someone needs to be discipling you as you're discipling others. The discipleship process never finishes. It never ends. We're all in some point need somebody older than us, more experienced, that can continue to pour into our lives as well. And so, you know, um, so, so we look at it. Are we being faithful? And we want to look for young ones, younger people than us or just people younger in the Lord. So we want them to be faithful. Okay, I want a little class or church participation. When you think of the word faithful, what are some of the words that come to mind? Spit some out at me. Honest, obedient, loyal, truthful, good, loving, humble, constant. Those are all great. Teachable. That's a good one. Any, any others? I, I, I can't hear it too far back there, but committed. That's great. Great word. Committed. These are all true. All true. I wrote some, some of those same things down. Reliable, trustworthy, steadfast, consistent. These are all true. And all the ones that you name, those are all absolutely right. And that's why I would always, I would always tell young people when they come up to me when I was a youth pastor and they would say, Pastor Brandon, what do I need to do to, to, to be a leader? And I would always take them to that scripture and I'd say, you need to be faithful now. Act like a leader now before you're given the title. Just be faithful. And all these things are true. But we often miss the most important meaning of the word faithful. And it's the word fruitful. Or in other words, it's multiplication. Because remember, we're talking about reproduction. He says, be fruitful and multiply. How do I know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 25. Turn there with me. Matthew 25. We're going to read a story most of us are familiar with. A parable that Jesus gives. This is setting up. My third point. 
Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to begin reading in verse 14. I'm going to go ahead and read the story again so we get the gist of it. I don't want to assume everyone has heard this story. So we're going to begin reading in verse 14 of Matthew 25. This is Jesus speaking. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it into proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 24, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If I, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Number three is that faithfulness produces fruitfulness. Jesus makes it clear. The two that he called faithful, good and faithful servants were the ones that produced something beyond what they were given. Was the ones that multiplied their gifts and talents. How many of y'all know this is a parable? Jesus wasn't telling this. He wasn't talking about money. He used money as the parable. My sub, the title and the subtitle of my Bible says the parable of the servant. It's a parable. It's a story. He wasn't talking about money. Yes, you can apply this to your money. I like many things in the Bible. But, you know, he's talking about once again here the gifts, the talents, the abilities he said that he's given us. Now, we know we got to go beyond our natural ability. I just talked about that. But he's given us all gifts, an anointing to be able to reproduce ourselves and others. And the ones that he called good and faithful was those that produced Beyond what they were given. We must reproduce ourselves and others. Think about it. When I say about being faithful, it's being fruitful. The 7 billion plus people that are on the earth today came from the 8 faithful who were in the ark after God flooded the earth. If it wasn't for those 8 people on the ark, we wouldn't be here today. If they would have stopped and said, man, I'm tired. I don't feel like reproducing no more. God should have kept all the other people on earth that could have helped us out. But physically, we're all here today because of eight faithful people that came off of that ark. You and I and everyone who is saved on this planet came from the faithful 12 that Jesus discipled. They were faithful. Why? Because they continue to reproduce themselves 
with, with the gospel message into others and help them walk and teach it. And then Paul continued and then Timothy and then Titus and then all the rest to over 2000 years ago. We're all sitting in here today. They were faithful. Amen. And their faithfulness was proven by their fruitfulness. It was by what they did, what they produced, what they reproduced in others. Listen with Paul. Paul boldly declared that he was faithful. In Acts 20, 26 and 27, Luke records Paul saying this. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink back from declaring all God wants you to know. Well, I don't know about y'all. I, could, I don't know if I can say that. Like if anybody suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. Sometimes I think you ever, you know, you feel like you missed your chance. Like, man, what? I should have told that guy. I should have did this. But Paul was so, he was so uh, convinced that he had been faithful. And not only because he presented the gospel, but because he preached, not only because he was preaching the gospel, because he was discipling those he was preaching to. Look just a few more verses down. And this is in the book of Acts before he starts writing all the churches. He says this. A few verses down in Acts 20, 31. He says, remember the three years I was with you. My constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you. We see Paul. Paul is a great discipler. He not only went around, and that's what the rest of, uh, most of the rest of the books of the New Testament are. We see his missionary journeys in the book of Acts, where he goes around and he preaches the gospel to the unknown world at that time, to people that didn't know it, to pagans, to Greeks, to barbarians, all these people. And then we read later him writing back to all the churches. Him talking about, I'm going to come back and visit you. I want to come back and visit. I want to see how you're doing. And he was discipling from, a, from just writing letters. He was doing it from a distance, but we're going to see why it's so important to reproduce ourselves and and our Christ-like self. Not, you know, it's not just, it's not all about us. Reproduce ourselves as the new me, as the born again me, as the Jesus in me. That's what we want to reproduce. Amen. You know, we want to reproduce Jesus that is in us. And we see this. Paul makes it clear. He said, you know what? I declare I've been faithful because not only did he preach the gospel, but he discipled right here. He's speaking to the churches and saying the couple of churches he was speaking to. I think it was Macedonia and something, another church that he said, like, you remember the three years I came and I spent with you three years of my life. And he was always checking up on them. And I want I want to close with this. A great example and really sums it all up. Paul being faithful in reproducing himself and the powerful effect that it can have. It's really, it's summed up. I actually used the back end of this verse a little while ago to, to show that we know Timothy was, was faithful. But look earlier on in, in 1 Corinthians. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. He says, therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of all my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. This sums it up right here, y'all, about spiritual reproduction. Paul says, I urge you, imitate me. Act just like me. We know later, it says it in 1 Corinthians uh, that he, uh, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians 11. But he says, imitate me. For this reason, I'm sending you my son Timothy. Paul tells him to imitate him and he's not even going to be nowhere around him. He was so convinced that he had reproduced himself into Timothy. He said, you can act just like me if you watch Timothy. Come on, somebody. He knew 
the power and he knew the effect of, of, of reproducing himself because he couldn't go all over the world and continue to disciple every single person. You know, he was at a point where that's why he's the apostle Paul. He was an apostle and he was overseeing the churches, all the different churches that were set up and planted from him preaching. He had to pour into the leaders and, and, the, and the pastors. That's who he was overseeing. But that's why he would reproduce himself. You know, it's like we see, you know, Pastor Joe's from India or, you know, all uh, Pastor Larry comes from Mexico. And they plant hundreds of churches all over Mexico or all over India and stuff. What do we always see like, oh, this is a pastor and he oversees a hundred churches. What does that mean? They're reproducing themselves into these other young pastors that continue on the work. Amen. He says, imitate me. And he's not even there. He sends his son, Timothy, that he was convinced that he had reproduced himself. He had discipled Timothy in such a way that he knew Timothy was a man that everything that Paul stood for, his values, he knew that Timothy would be right on with the gospel, with doctrines, with holiness, with purity, with leadership. Everything that the church needed in Corinth, he was convinced, if I send Timothy, you can imitate me. This is good stuff, church. And it's challenging. Are are we doing this? So as I close, let me ask you, who are you discipling? This is the charge today. Who are you discipling? Who is it in your life? Who is that man? Who is that woman? As Pastor Todd said last week, I guess, and this is easy for me as a youth pastor for so many years. If you're a man, disciple a man. If you're a woman, disciple a woman. Seems like it should be plain, but I just want to throw it out there, okay? Who are you discipling? Who's your Timothy? Who are your Timothys? I know a lot of y'all in this church. I see, I look around and see faces, and I know there's, there's a lot of y'all in here that are discipling others. But I want to challenge those of y'all that are not, that are not coming alongside someone and pouring into them. Listen, once again, if you feel, once again today, as I'm wrapping this up, you're feeling pressure, you're feeling nervous, you're feeling, I can't do that. Remember, depend on God's grace. It's God's empowerment for you to go beyond your own natural ability. It's God's grace. Depend on the grace of God. Remember that closeness is at the core of discipleship. We must be in close relationship with someone. That's why, you know what? If you're not discipling anybody, look for one person right now. Start with one. If, if, if your schedule's crazy and all that, and I, I understand we're all busy. I understand that. I understand we're busy. I'm married. I have four kids and I'm in full-time ministry. I understand we're busy. But you know what? What are we busy with? Let me let me go let, let me go a little bit further. What do you what if you say, but I'm just too busy, Brandon, I can't, I'm too busy. Let me challenge you. What are you busy with? Are you too busy to continue preserving and transmitting the gospel and, and, and the, the biblical pattern of discipleship so this thing can continue to spread, so we can raise up more young Timothys that have the ability to go out and preach the gospel and continue to, to, to disciple. Because you know what? Those young men that were at my house that Friday night, most of them in that room, there was a few of them, but I, I know for sure two of them, they're leaders and they're discipling others. They're young men. They're in college. But I know two of them lead life groups and are in ministry, and, and that, are, that are doing something, volunteer ministry in their respective places. They're both college kids, but they're, you know what? They're discipling others. They're pouring their lives into others. And we can all know college kids, you know what? They're, they're busy too, right? Work, school, I don't, I don't, I say I'm busy, but I, I don't envy them. 
they just tell me some of the stuff they study and it gives me a headache. But there's, there's really, what I'm trying to say, y'all, is that there's really no excuse. I'm just going to, can I just shoot straight with y'all? I guess I've been shooting straight with y'all the whole time. So can I continue to shoot straight with y'all? There's really no excuse. This is eternity we're talking about, church. This is not just another series that we thought up just like, oh, this would be a cool series. We're talking about eternity. Discipleship is how the gospel is going to continue to move forward. Discipleship is how it's going to continue to happen. You know, I was reading some stuff this week when I was studying for this, and I remember hearing numbers like, you know, even the great evangelist Billy Graham, there was a number that came out, and, and, and you, I might not be right on it, but it was somewhere around only 2 to 3% of all people that got saved at Billy Graham Crusades actually continued on walking with the Lord. And Billy Graham came back later and saw that. Isn't that right, Brother Francis? Something around a low number like that. And he, why? And he saw there was no discipleship that took place after. There was no follow-up. There was nothing. So preaching the gospel is awesome. I love evangelism. I love, I love leading people to the Lord. You know, but not that it's the easy part, but you know, it only takes a few seconds to lead somebody to the Lord. It could take months and years to bring that baby into maturity. That's the hard part, right? Think about it, even in the natural. It literally only takes a few seconds or minutes to conceive a baby. But come on, parents. It's a lot harder once that baby is born. And I'm looking at parents with teenagers like, oh, yeah, you got it coming, brother. You know? But you know what? It's vital, y'all. It's vital. It's vital that we do this. It's vital that we realize that you were born to reproduce. This is part of your destiny. It's to reproduce spiritually. Depend on God's grace. Remember, closeness is at the core, and faithfulness is fruitfulness. So today, we've been talking about discipling others, but like I said, you can't disciple others unless you're a disciple, and you can't be a disciple unless you're born again. I want everybody to stand up with me as we close. I want to read one more scripture, and then we'll pray. We are born physically with the ability to reproduce. You must be born again of the spirit to be able to reproduce spiritually and to receive eternal life. Well, that actually should have been flipped. You must be born again to be able to receive eternal life and then to be able to disciple others. Because that's the thing. All of us in here that are saved, we've heard it a million times. If God just wanted to save us just to go to heaven, we'd be saved and then we'd be zapped right back up to heaven. Amen? Right? But that's not why. We're here to continue on. But listen, you might not even be in that first step yet. You might haven't been. What do you mean, Brandon? Maybe maybe you're new to church. Maybe you've just been here the first time a couple times. What do you mean by being born again? You know, there was a man in the Bible, an old wise man that was a very religious man that had been around for many, many years. And his name was Nicodemus. And he was having a conversation with Jesus one night. And this is what Jesus told him in John 3, verse 3 through 6. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the spirit. Humans can reproduce only humankind, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Maybe today we've been talking about reproducing, but maybe you haven't been born again, been born of the Spirit. 
And this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's just respect others around us. Just a reverence for the Lord. Today, if you say, Brandon, I, I don't, I, I'm not assured uh, about eternity. If you ask yourself, if, if today was your last day here on the earth and you woke up on the other side, what side would you wake up on in eternity? The Bible makes it very clear. We go to either heaven or, or hell. Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Are you sure that you will wake up or wake up or be transferred into eternal life, the kingdom of God, what Jesus spoke about? If not, today you need to be born again. The way that you are born again is very simple, is that you ask the Lord to come into your life. You ask him to forgive you of your sins and you ask him to save you, to help you, to transform you into a new person. That's why it's called being born again. Because we, we are spiritually birthed into the kingdom of God. And we become new people. And it's almost like we're starting all over again. And that's the whole point of discipleship. That's where discipleship begins. So today, if you say, Brandon, I'm not sure if I'm right with God. I'm not sure if I've ever been born again. I've even been coming to church for a while. But I'm not sure. I want to be right with God. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. If that's you, just slip your hand up today. We want to wait for you. If that's you, slip your hand up. Anybody today? Does anybody need to give their life to the Lord? And I say, you know what? I need to be born again. I need to give my life to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, as we close, we're going to go ahead and close in prayer. We're going to open up the altars. If today you need prayer for anything, if you want prayer for this, if you, you maybe want and just want, want prayer to, to, to help somebody to have us stand with you, and, and, and you want to come up here and ask God for his grace, maybe you want to come up here today and repent. And you can do it at your seat too. You don't have to come up. Just something about come to the altar, surrender. You might want to repent. Maybe you are like the person in the, in the parable and you've been lazy. And you haven't been doing what God has called us and entrusted us to do. If you need prayer for anything up here today, why don't you come on up? We're going to pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for this word this morning. We pray, Father, that you would... That you would help, Lord God, those that are up here. Those that are coming up. Thank you, Lord. If anybody else needs to come up, you can start making your way to the altar right now. We thank you, Father God, for your faithfulness and that you're stirring hearts even now. You're stirring disciples right now, Lord. I thank you even as they're making their way to the altar. You're stirring those up to pour their lives into others, to disciple others, Lord God, to reproduce themselves into into others, Lord. We thank you for those, Lord God, that have heard this word, all of us today. And I pray we would be challenged, but at the same time be encouraged, equipped, strengthened to go out, Lord, by your grace to depend on you and get close. Lord, open up our eyes. Come on, let's pray right now before we leave. Let's pray right now and ask the Lord, if you're not discipling someone, ask the Lord to open your eyes to show you who it is that you need to come alongside, that you need to start pouring your life into, that you need to start taking the time to disciple and to help. And it might be somebody that's not even saved yet, but the Lord's put them on your heart and that you're going to lead them to the Lord and then you're going to take them on through and start walking with them and discipling them. Come on, ask the Lord right now. If you don't know who that person is, begin to ask the Lord, Lord, show me who that is. Lord, I thank you that you're showing people today who they need to pour into, who it is in their life, Lord God, that you have placed in their path. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be fruitful. Help us to multiply the gifts you've given us, Lord God, as we continue to rely on your grace. We thank you. We love you for what you've done in here today and what you're going to do in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.